as our prayer before we reflect upon these scriptures, I invite you to turn to number 25, Jesus Stand Among Us. And Rodney will lead us in singing that as our prayer. And among us in your risen power, let this time of worship be a Over the past years, there have been some holy weeks when because of joy in our church's circle of relationships or springtime just putting on a show, it's been hard to fully enter into the grief and the shock of Jesus' death. But not this year. This Holy Week, we've been grieving the death of Joanne Cunningham just nine days ago and walking with her family in their profound loss and grief. Yesterday, over 250 people packed into our church to mourn her death at the early age of 62. And last Monday, many of us were also deeply impacted by the images from Paris of Notre Dame, the gray cathedral, Notre Dame Dame burning. And I don't know about you, but I felt especially moved by the images of seeing people keeping vigil right nearby. Did you see those images? Some in silence some kneeling, some praying, some singing hymns. They were losing something precious and they were in deep shock and grief. And then yesterday, the yellow vests came out into the streets and as millions poured in for the church, they were in shock and grief over people giving money for a church but being willing unwilling to help their neighbors in need. Our Gospel reading today opens with Mary Magdalene, sick with grief, heading to the tomb of Jesus, her beloved teacher and friend. You'll remember that three days earlier, She was among those who at very great risk stayed with Jesus. Only just a few did. When he was brutally executed. All four Gospels 
place her among the very small group of female followers who refuse to leave him as he dies. And dear friends, remember that Mary Magdalene, it was Mary Magdalene, or it was for Mary Magdalene that Jesus, from her, that Jesus had cast out seven demons from her setting her free from some terrible mix of spiritual bondage, physical suffering, and social isolation. So now she refuses to abandon her Savior, even when His life has been extinguished and His movement has been crushed. When Mary arrives at the tomb she finds the stone already rolled away. And in an interesting turn of story, she runs to share this shocking news with the other disciples and then runs back with Peter and John. And after they confirm and believe that the tomb really is empty, that's what they believe, by the way, if you look at it carefully. They believe that the tomb is empty. Then the two men simply go home. And bewildered and stunned, Mary Magdalene now remains at the tomb in her deep grief, made all the deeper now because she assumes that Jesus' body has been stolen. I've recently been reading... Rachel Held Evans' new book about her journey back to loving the Bible. It's called Inspired. And I recommend it to you. She says that to be a Christian in this world is not to be part of a group of people who all believe exactly the same stuff. No, to be a Christian is to be a people who are caught up in the very same story which has its center in Jesus. And here today with Mary, we are being invited to enter into the central story of our faith. When Mary first sees the risen Jesus, she supposes him to be the gardener. Don't you love that? Oh, he's the gardener. And you have to wonder if Jesus maybe has a twinkle in his eye when he asks her who she's looking for. And she answers simply that she's only looking for a missing body. And now we reach the climax of our story when Jesus says to her, Mary, by calling her by her name, He penetrates her sorrow. Deep calls to deep. Suddenly she knows that Jesus is not over. 
There's only one person in the whole wide world who can call out her name like that. She immediately turns to Jesus and cries out, Rabbi, teacher. Throughout Scripture, we see the tremendous power of being called by God by our names. In our verse for 2019 from Isaiah 43, God says, I have called you by name, you are mine. Being called by our name evokes our deepest identity. Who we really and truly and fully are. I would love to open up our community lifetime today to share stories of when we have been called by name and it has made all the difference. I've powerfully experienced this reality. Over the years, during my prayer retreats at St. Benedict's Monastery in Snowmass, Colorado, when going forward for communion, the abbot will invariably say to me, Todd, the body of Christ broken for you. Now his calling me by name, I don't know if I should tell you this story, but it's made all the more powerful because his bishop has required his whole community of monks to place a sign over the church door saying that no Catholics, no non-Catholics, excuse me, are welcome at the communion table. And in spite of this, because of my own need, I go forward. And the abbot's lovingly calling me by name is like he is saying to me, Todd, enter more fully into this Jesus story that we both share. He refuses to turn anyway, anybody away from the table of Jesus. If you look at a, an orthodox icon of the resurrection, you will never see Jesus alone. Instead, you will see the risen Jesus pulling up other people from their tombs on your bulletin cover today. You can see Jesus pulling up Adam and Eve who represent all of humanity, who represent you and me out of our tombs of death and despair. And under Jesus' feet are the broken gates of hell. Symbol of our separation from God and each other. They're broken under His feet. All the dividing walls in the risen Jesus have come tumbling down and been replaced by reconciliation and communion. Did you notice 
that Jesus tells Mary that he is soon going to my God and your God. The risen Jesus is pulling us up toward God and toward each other. Otherness is forever overcome. And I urge you to put this bulletin cover someplace in your home where you can be reminded of that again and again. Jesus is pulling us up out of our tombs of despair toward God and toward one another. So dear friends, where do you and I need resurrection today? Where are we sagging under the weight of our despair? Whether individually or together. Are we despairing for our planet? As Alan said last week, which is groaning under our collective greed and abuse. I feel that so much. Are we despairing over our nation's cruel treatment of the vulnerable at our borders? Are we despairing over broken relationships in our families, our church, our schools, our workplaces, or over some heavy burden that we are carrying deep in our own soul. What is that for you? For me, the crucial verse in Isaiah 43 comes at verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. For us being raised from our tombs of despair probably won't mean that all of our burdens are suddenly removed and taken away. The hard work will still remain. But... It will mean like never before that when we pass through these raging waters, we will no longer feel overwhelmed because deep in our bones now, we know that our risen Lord is with us. Remember that Sarah Miles says that the most important word in the Bible is with. God is with us. Our risen Lord is with us. In the garden today, in the garden today, though the Bible records four other Marys among Jesus' followers, Mary Magdalene knows beyond a shadow of death, a doubt, that when Jesus addresses and calls her Mary, 
he is talking to her. And I doubt very much this is the first time that Jesus has called out to Mary and called her out of her despair and invited her to walk in newness of life. There's something in his calling her by name that goes right to the core of who she is. And after that, she runs and becomes the very first eyewitness of the resurrection. And she tells everybody who will hear her five-word testimony, I have seen the Lord. In the same way, may we share with each other and our neighbors our own experiences of Jesus raising us from our tombs of despair. May we join Mary Magdalene in saying, I have seen the Lord. Amen.